Greetings, trick-or-treaters. It's Dan, Danny Strode Caffrey. What you're about to hear is a clip from our exclusive Patreon episode in which fellow Halloweenies Justin Gerber, Mackenzie Gerber, and myself are joined by Heather Wixon of Daily Dead for a brand new category called The Rental, where we discuss a one-off horror classic completely separate from any franchises that we'll be covering in the future. First up is Catherine Bigelow's pioneering vampire western Near Dark. Rest assured, there's plenty of in-depth analysis, little-known trivia, and more than a connection or two to the Halloween series. And of course, endless love for Bill Paxton. So how do you hear the full thing? Become a pumpkin over at our Patreon, The Rewind. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit patreon.com backslash Halloweeniespod. Hope to see you there. And remember to lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. So let's give you a little bit of a history. Around the time of Near Dark, uh, vampires were very much in vogue, as Heather kind of pointed out. Now we're talking about vampires, not Dracula, because these movies were nothing like Bram Stoker's novel, neither time or place. These new takes, they were very modern, and many were amplified by you know pop soundtracks and eye-popping color schemes. You had Joel Schumacher's Lost Boys, which actually arrived in theaters earlier that same year as Near Dark. Big hit. A couple years before that, we had Fright Night, like we mentioned. Uh, Vamp, starring Grace Jones, Tony Scott's The Hunger. They were all the rage. Westerns were not all the rage at this time. Uh, Clint Eastwood had long since abandoned his man with no name for a man by the name of Dirty Harry. Sergio Leone went from the spaghetti westerns of Once Upon a Time in the West to straight-up spaghetti in Once Upon a Time in America. And while Walter Hill's The Long Riders and Lawrence Kasdan's Silverado have their fans, they weren't trendsetters by any means. If I told anybody that I memorized all that, would anybody believe me? Uh, no. <laughs> I appreciate your candor. <laughs> However, filmmaker Catherine Bigelow and screenwriter Eric Redd, they've been circling each other for a little while. And they really respected each other's work over the years and decided to collaborate on a movie that would buck the trends of vampire movies that came before and fuse it with the classic Western, as we discussed. So they wrote Near Dark on spec. And Catherine Bigelow said that they gave it to the uh, producers on a Thursday and they were given the green light on a Monday. So they were pretty confident in the movie. Unfortunately, um, as we all saw when the movie started, Near Dark was released by the studio DEG. Now, Dino! Dino De Laurentiis himself, the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group, and uh, I'm sure listeners of the Losers Club know exactly how much Dino has to do with Stephen King movies during that time. And funny enough, uh, Mike Vanderbilt and I spoke to Jason Lives director Tom McLaughlin just a week or so ago, and he also discussed this group and what was going on around the time of Near Dark because his movie, Day with an Angel, was also due to come around, to, to come out around this time, but unfortunately the company was just about to go out of business. So between some mismanaged posters, some had said, and the bottom line that they couldn't really promote the movie, Near Dark just totally flamed out at the box office. Even though it did get a lot of good reviews, it didn't resonate at all. And it's really, again, special thanks to home video and, and whatnot that really built this great cult audience over the years. So uh, thank you for listening to our episode of 1987's Near Dark. <laughs> That's your basic history. And please, everybody here, feel free to, to jump in, add anything I, I left off of the cliff notes. But let's talk about the director of this freaking movie. Mm. And that director is uh, one of the best, especially from this era. Her name is Catherine Bigelow. Now, at this time, the only movie she had made is a movie called The Loveless, which I have not seen. Has anybody here seen The Loveless? No. I have. I don't think I have, actually. Um, I tried right? to rent it's, it once, yeah. like, way back when, like, Netflix was, like, a disc-only company. And it was, like, on the queue, and it was, like, I was just waiting for it to come in, and it just never did. It's funny, because I feel like when Netflix first came out, 
they literally had every movie ever made. I swear, there's movies that I used to check out from them on disc that just you can't find anywhere at all, even to rent on streaming services. So, Well, dude, even Near Dark's like that. I mean, I had to, full disclosure, yeah. no one arrest me, but um, I would have gladly rented the movie or streamed it somewhere, but you, you cannot... I mean, I guess the only way to get it would be to buy the DVD at used somewhere. And um, yeah, I had to go th- to one of those like crappy TV duck type sites where you... you you have to click on it three times to get an ad before it starts streaming. You can't pause it or anything because it'll start over. Um, I don't know if the rest of you had that experience, but yeah, I could not well, find this movie what, to stream anywhere. What I had to do was I actually borrowed it from fellow Halloweeny Mike Rothman. On, he had an old DVD of it. Nice. and I had, So I walked you know, 45 minutes to get to his apartment. <laughs> I <laughs> thankfully, walked oh, 45 minutes back. I thankfully had the, uh, the Twilight, Twilightization version of the Blu-ray <sighs> that came out years oh. ago. Um, oh yes, yeah. we'll talk yes. about that. Yes, <laughs> um, so thankfully I'd always held on to that. I mean, I would have never gotten rid of it anyway. Um, although now I realize, like in these desperate times, I was like, hmm, I could probably sell that and make a good, good buck right now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thankfully I still had my Blu-ray, so I was, I was very fortunate in that. But I actually, uh, I used to have the VHS of it, um, and I don't know that I ever had the DVD to be honest. But uh, I, I, it was one of those like when it came out, and I don't know why Lionsgate only maybe. I think they only pressed like like three thousand copies or something ridiculous like that. Um, but yeah, they kind of came and went really fast. Yeah, Lionsgate as a distribution service is wild. So, yeah, yeah Mac, I didn't the, you have one of those? You had like one with a documentary on it. I remember you telling me years yeah, ago about I had that. The it's kind of like a almost like a, like a neon looking cover. Um, it was like a double. I think it was like a double disc. I might be lying about that, but it had like a slip case to it, and it was it was very nice. And yes, it did have kind of like a documentary. I'm not sure if that's available on YouTube. It might be. Justin, did you find anything like that on YouTube when you were looking? Uh, I found a great interview with Catherine Bigelow that I definitely included uh, in these notes here. But it's funny, okay. Heather, you mentioned that Blu-ray. That Blu-ray is now available for like ninety dollars <laughs> on Amazon. I mean, it's impossible to even like buy this used for any decent price right now. It's crazy. It's basically hence that forty-five. Yeah, I was gonna say it's basically like my uh, my retirement fund is just holding on to that into the Dawn of the Dead Blu-rays, just waiting for my time. Although yes. now we're getting a new Blu-ray for Dawn of the Dead, so I might as well pull that trigger pretty soon. Yeah, do it now. Say so just and advertise it as you'll never see this movie again if you don't rent yeah. it now. <laughs> Uh, they'll never reissue it. Trust us, they'll never reissue Don the Dead. Um, but obviously, Catherine Bigelow, after this, she went on to do a Point Break. She went on to do just some movie that she became the only woman, female, the only woman director to win Best Director for, which is called The Hurt Locker. Uh, she did Detroit recently. Uh, and one of my favorites, Strange Days. So really good. good movie. Love Strange Days. You're missing K-19, the, the Widowmaker. Uh, I was going to say. Zero Dark Thirty. come in at Zero the end there with Zero. K-19, which is oddly just titled <laughs> The Widowmaker <laughs> on IMDb for some reason. Well, it's kind of like they retitled it, um, what, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, and they retitled Edge of Tomorrow. Was it Live, <laughs> Die, Thirst, Repeat, or something yeah. like that? Was it? Bless their hearts. Yeah, I was, um, it's interesting to me because I guess it didn't dawn on me when I was a kid watching this, like, how monumental it was to see a woman directing a horror film. Because I think at that point, I think the only other movie that I'd really seen that a female had directed uh, was Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, And again, that really didn't even dawn on me back then. Um, But I was, I I still am, a huge Catherine Bigelow fan. If you follow me on social media, I probably prattle on about Point Break at least once a week. Um, It's like one of my, it it is like probably the 
ultimate movie for me. Um, and I think there's something really interesting. Um, if you look through her filmography, the way that Catherine Bigelow sort of frames masculinity in her movies. Um, and mm. I think that Near Dark doesn't, and like, they're all different, too, if you look at them between, like, Near Dark, um, Point Break, Strange Days, even Zero Dark Thirty. Um, there's something really fascinating about the, about the way that she sort of explores these things. Um, it's just, there's nobody who makes movies like she does. Um, and I've always really appreciated that. But it, again, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, cool, this is, you know, a, a woman-directed horror movie. And then as I got older, I was like, wow, those are like a finding like a diamond in the rough. Like, you just, you don't find very many of those. I mean, it's yeah. getting better now, but, you know, in, when this movie came out, you know, in 1987, like, I don't know, I think you really could, on one hand, name the amount of horror movies directed by women, um, which is pretty sad. Well, even Slumber Party Massacre 2 is directed by a woman. So I feel like the Slumber Party Massacre movies had the market cornered in the <laughs> 80s. They were doing I mean, it right. And it was like, oh, yeah, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, they were doing it right. They were onto something at the time. 